We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo sports talk and more. I'm your host. Patrick Moran, thank you very, very much as always for locking in, whether you're listening to us and on the audio podcasting side, whether you're checking us out video on YouTube, appreciate you all very, very much. Thanks for being here. Um, This is our Fan Friday episode. Done a couple of these recently. I know a lot of people have been waiting for us to get back to doing some of the live shows at Imperial Pizza. By the way, Imperial Pizza, sponsor of today's episode, two locations. Uh, the staple location, of course, at 1035 Abbott Road, where I do a lot of my shows. And also a brand new location, 1665 Main Street uh, near Canisius College. If you haven't had Imperial Pizza yet, what the hell are you doing, man? One of the best places to go eat in all of Buffalo. But anyway, a lot of people have been wondering when we're going to start doing some more live shows. Generally, what I do is I get a guest with me and we tape a show live on the video side anyway on on Thursday night late. And then that's the podcast uh, for Friday after the holidays, man. After the holidays, I'll be picking that up. I got some really good guest schedules, so we'll be back to doing that. But in the meantime, when we don't have those shows, I kind of enjoy doing these Fan Fridays. It's an opportunity for uh, fans, whether it's through Facebook, through Twitter, through email, um, YouTube to send in some questions or comments or takes, and then I address them on the show. Uh, full disclosure before we get going with this Fan Friday. So you're going to be listening to this, obviously, hopefully anyway, on Friday or maybe on the video side. You might be watching this really late Thursday night. But I want to let you know, if anything crazy happens in the world of Buffalo sports and it's not even mentioned on today's podcast, that's because I'm actually taping this late on Wednesday night getting this in the can on Wednesday night because Thursday is my son's 21st birthday. And I ain't doing no podcasting. I ain't doing no real work. The only thing I'm interested in doing on Thursday is hooking up with my kid, maybe somewhere around lunchtime and uh, going to a, a pub or tavern 
and sitting down and getting some wings and having a pint of beer or two or maybe three with him legally, legally. That's the whole key there. I've been waiting a long, long time since he was a little boy for him to get to that age. To me, it's like a big rite of passage. Father and son sitting there having a pint of beer, throwing something on the jukebox. I just, I, I love that. It's, it's going to be a great bonding moment for me. So anyway, that's my plan on Thursday. That's why I'm knocking this off here late on Wednesday night. Then I'm going to hit up Vinny's in West Seneca. Like that's my spot. That's my favorite place. Very divey, uh, good neighborhood bar, cheap drinks, probably the cheapest beer specials you'll get anywhere in Western New York. And I got to worry about y'all coming to stalk me because like I said, by the time you're listening to this show, uh, I already will have been there with him. But anyway, that's what I'm doing on Thursday. Um, as for today, I got a handful of questions, a couple, uh, couple bills, a couple really good bills takes actually that I'm going to get into, a couple of other fun questions. And then one right here at the top. In fact, let's not waste any time. Let's just, uh, let's just dive right into it. The first one from Jason M. He says, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. What are your professional and podcast goals? for 2024. Um, thank you, Jason, very much. If you'll allow me to here at the opening, I, I'd like to get a little bit personal and open and honest. So if you'll indulge me being able to do that, and maybe somebody who, who's watching or listening, maybe a couple things that I might say might resonate to some extent with them, might maybe trigger something for them to want to do something as well. Um, because I think this is a good question. And look, I could give you a very uh, standard, you know, vanilla answer about my my professional and my and my podcast goals for uh, for 2024. Which, by the way, that's actually typed wrong on the screen. It was personal goals and podcast goals for 2024. I think that's important to note as well uh, with Jason's question: personal goals and podcast goals uh, for this coming year. It's a great question, and, and I think it deserves an honest answer. And it's kind of, Jason, a culmination. You know, I hope 2024 becomes kind of a culmination of, of a couple of years. And what I mean by that is this. So in 2021, if you're a longtime listener or watcher of this show, you know that I lived in Florida for five years. Um, this show was actually born back in 2018, and I was living in Florida at the time. Moved there in 2016, and within a year or so, I just I, I got really bored and a little bit homesick, a lot of bit homesick, and uh, wasn't doing much. And I decided that maybe starting a podcast would be a great way for me to stay and feel connected uh, to Buffalo, mainly sports, but just Buffalo in general. Being you know 1,300 miles away, I had a pretty good amount of media connections, so I. I you know, spoke to a lot of them and uh, got them to come on the show for the first handful of episodes to really get me off and running in the right way. But anyway, so I lived in Florida for five years. Uh, during that time, my son, the same one I just told you about, who's going to be turning 21 actually today, yesterday, depending on when you're hearing this, um, it's a standout high school football player in Florida. And that's part, that's not the reason we moved to Florida. The biggest reason why we moved to Florida was my wife had an opportunity to transfer 
uh, locations from Buffalo to headquarters in Sarasota to get a promotion. So it was just a great opportunity. Always wondered what it would be like to to live in another part of the country. I'd been living in my whole life pretty much in Buffalo. And uh, the fact that my son was a good football player and parents, you know how it is, man. You, you know when your kids got it at a certain age. Anyway, so we go to Florida and he developed into a really good football player. I uh, got several D2 scholarship offers. So long story short, he was graduating in 2021. And by the time 2021 rolled around, I was ready to come back home. I was very homesick. I went from being a little bit homesick to a lot homesick. And my wife very much liked living in Florida because, and she should, because she was thriving down there. She loved it. She's thriving at her job. So many new friends, um, lots of friends, very active, volleyball, softball. There's an MVP league down there, which is outstanding. And you just meet so many new people. Anyway, she was always doing something where not so much me. Now, it's not that I didn't like Florida. I didn't like those people. I certainly did. But like I said, I was just straight up homesick. Anyway, so my son's getting recruited and getting out, so, you know, a bunch of D2 offers. And they're mainly from the North. I mean, there were a couple from the South. And to be honest with you, I had made my mind up that if we could get him up here in the North, close to, to home in Buffalo, within a couple of hours, maybe or so, that would be the catalyst to move back home. So long story short here, because again, I don't want to go for a full hour, just on one story. He ended up taking a, an offer to, to play football at Clarion University, which is in Pennsylvania, roughly three hours or so from Buffalo. I wanted it badly. Um, there were other schools. Some were actually closer and some a little bit further. But at this point, we knew what was going on. So he accepts that offer and he graduates and we moved back to Buffalo in the summer of 2021. Um, to keep this part at least short, nagging injuries, uh, back injury, uh, a lingering hip injury. He was just really beat up and very sore, constantly in pain his senior year. And between that and just not really having that passion to want to play through it and, and keep playing, he decided that ultimately he wasn't going to play. So we moved back to Buffalo decides not too long before camp that he's just, you know, he's just not getting healthy enough and he just doesn't want to do it, man. He doesn't want to put his body through it anymore. Certainly don't blame him, especially now in hindsight. So he doesn't play football uh, because he didn't play football. He's going to lose, you know, potential scholarship earnings and stuff like that. So long story short, doesn't end up going to school at all at Clarion. And now we're back here in Buffalo. Again, I kind of convinced my wife who was kind of against the idea to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and again, she was right too, for good reasons. I mean, she had a much better sense of where our kid was health-wise and desire to to play, to continue playing football in college than I did. I was kind of had tunnel vision and a little blinded. So long story short, one of us, only one of us three were happy to be back in Buffalo at the time, me. And uh, it was a tough adjustment, man. It, there, there was a lot of uh, resentment, you know, a lot of, a lot of lingering issues because of that personally, um, emotionally, financially, and it led to a really rough stretch. I'm not going to lie, a really rough stretch. So anyway, the point that I'm getting to here is about three years worth of personal goals. So 2022, when we got to 2022, I, I decided that I need to, my, my personal goal then was to 
take full accountability for everything, for everything. And I'm not just talking about that six month span that I'm telling you about. I'm talking about years and years of stuff, just full accountability for everything in my life that hadn't worked out the way I had hoped, the way I had expected to. Um, accountability for any financial stuff, you know, not working harder, not really pushing at my job to, to excel, not getting a second job where it certainly would have helped out the family, you know, help make ends meet with expenses. Um, being a little more open to, you know, I was really, and I can say it now, I was, I was a good father. Okay. I, I know that with my son with football, but I just, I felt like I know better than he does that this is what he wants, even if he doesn't know it, or this is what he needs. It's going to make his life better going to play college football, but it just wasn't there. He didn't want to go through it anymore. He didn't want to put himself through it anymore. He, I was living his dream more than he was, if that makes sense. So anyway, my point is just taking accountability for, for things like that and evolving as a person. I think so much, so many times in, in, in life, people go through, through things. Sometimes it's financial difficulties. Sometimes it's relationship difficulties. Sometimes it's your own personal demons and stuff like that. And we always look for cop-outs because it makes us feel a little bit better. It always makes you feel a little bit better if you're able to blame someone else. And sometimes there are other people to blame, like justifiably so. So you say, well, you know, this person's the reason why I didn't do this, or I could have did this, but this person did that. You get what I'm saying here. Just always being able to pass the buck off to somebody else. And I really forced myself in 2022 that whole year, pretty much just to really look in the mirror and take accountability for anything that's wrong in my life and say, it's because of me. It's my fault. I'm not doing everything that I should be doing. I'm not working as hard as I should be working. I'm not being the provider that I should be. I'm not being the father. I'm not being the husband. I'm not being the friend. I'm not being any of that that I should be. And it's my fault. I need to be better as a, as a person. So I really grounded myself and worked really, really hard on doing that. And speaking of work, I went out, I got a part-time second job, started really bearing down on this podcast. And uh, that's what 2022 was about, about accepting accountability for my shortcomings and for things that I've done wrong, whether it was completely my fault, some my fault, or in some cases, not really my fault at all, but just being accountable and holding myself accountable for mistakes and for things that hadn't worked out the way I wanted to. That's what 2022 was all about for me. Then in 2023, last year, that was the year I focused on getting all my shit right, like financially with things. Um, to be completely honest with you, man, I've went through years and years of having pretty shitty credit, which is just a terrible thing. Some people, you know, if you have good credit out there, you almost take it for granted. If something happens, significantly to your car or if you own a home and your hot water tank breaks or something like that and you got the credit to be able to to get something taken care of if you want to go on a vacation things like that you don't necessarily have to have the money if you have the credit well with me anything i've ever done in my life for a nice little stretch here was because i had to have the money i had to save the money because i just had shit credit so anyway i worked my ass off i worked extra shifts worked extra hours saved up as much money as I could. And I paid down a lot of debt that I had. And by the end of this year, 
In fact, by the middle part of this year, I really straightened that out and got my credit up there and was able to even start getting credit cards, things that, like I said, little things to some people might not mean much, but uh, to me, it meant a lot. It was, it was a game changer. It was a life changer. So now I do have credit and I could do a lot of things. My wife and I have been married for 22 years and never once in 22 years did we ever go on a cruise or any kind of like exotic uh, getaway. Well, before this year was over, I, I booked a cruise. In fact, we're going on one to Mexico in uh, February. So my point is, is I just really focused on, and this, this year right here, I just getting my shit right, man. Handling business. We'll just call it handling business. 2024 on a personal level, it, it's getting better physically. I have COPD. I have emphysema. And sometimes you might be able to hear it from time to time if you watch the show or listen to the show enough. My breathing on the mic could be a little bit much. But just generally speaking, man, I can't do shit anymore. Like, I can't play sports. I can't run. I'm just really uh, I'm unhealthy. And I'm also a goddamn slob, man. I eat terrible. I need to. I want to drop some weight. I want to get in as good a shape as I possibly can. Like I said, my days of being able to get on a treadmill or go running around the neighborhood are over. But I can still go walking that treadmill get on a better nutrition plan, stuff like that. So my primary personal goal for this year is to physically get in shape. That's one. And then just have more gratitude towards everything, more appreciation for everything, just not taking shit for granted. Because again, I, I've been in some great spots in my life. We've been in some great spots as a family and we've had some really rough patches, some really rough times as recent as a couple of years ago. And I don't want to forget that. So I hold myself accountable for what I did wrong did something about it. And now it's about, like I said, just feeling physically better now and just having a little more gratitude uh, towards everything. And answer your question about podcast goals, just uh steady improvement. You know, the, the, the growth of this show has been steady. Uh, come February, we'll be around for six years now, which God, man, it's really flown by. I'd say the, the big podcast goal maybe for 2024 is to start to grow more on the video side. Not necessarily a video fan, but now I get it. I mean, it's really hard to have a podcast, a successful one anyway, in this day and age without having a video element to it. So I'm going to put forth more more effort and more resources to that on uh, on the video side. So we'll see where that goes. All right, a couple more here. And then uh, sorry for that. I know, again, I know that was long, but it was a good question. and. My my hope by rambling on like that is that everyone out there who's watching or if you're listening, if you're, you know, every New Year's Eve, you set resolutions and goals, really spend some time and just don't say, you know, I'm going to avoid eating this or I'm going to drop 10 pounds or whatever. Figure out something in your life that you feel like you can really make a significant improvement on, whatever it may be, and uh, put forth a, a full and concerted effort towards uh, towards doing that. All right, I want to read a, a comment here from Mazvid, and this was on YouTube. Earlier this week, we had a um, a discussion about Josh Allen and him not running the football early in the season, barely at all, and is it more of a product of Ken Dorsey or was that a product of Sean McDermott? And I want to read this because I, I thought this was an excellent take from, uh, from Mazvid. He says, it's no secret that McDermott has deliberately scaled back Allen running early in the season. 
He has specifically stated such on multiple occasions. Here's the rub, though. McDermott isn't the only one who has emphasized the importance of saving Allen's body so that he's fresh later in the season and, more importantly, doesn't have his career cut short. Brandon Bean has expressed these sentiments as well. And if you go back and watch some of the weekly shows that Kim Bagula did with Maddie Glab before she had her heart failure, she was making the same case. Protecting Allen from himself has been an organizational-wide effort from ownership, management, and coaching, and for good reason. Allen looked good, or Allen looked completely wiped out at the end of the 2022 season. He was a mess in the Miami wildcard game and didn't even show up against Cincinnati. He was shot. The management and coaches on this team, including Ken Dorsey, got a front row seat for the rapid decline of Cam Newton, and I'm sure that experience plays a role in them attempting to preserve Josh Allen. The last thing anyone wants is for Allen's career to take a similar trajectory. That is an absolutely outstanding take. That is a great, he's not really asking a question, he's making a statement, and that's a great point. Because again, we were talking about on the show, him not running, and is that Ken Dorsey or is that Sean McDermott? And I have maintained, and I will continue to maintain, you know, we could beat up Ken Dorsey for a lot of shit. But one thing that I don't think is fair for people to say is that Ken Dorsey was the reason that Josh Allen uh, was not running the football much during the season, or early part of the season, I should say. I've always felt that Sean McDermott, I feel that stronger than ever now. And a lot of people, especially on Twitter, Twitter X, did not agree with me. And uh, saying, well, you know, who's the coach is going to go in and walk in on the meetings and tell the, the offensive coordinator what he can and can't run. To some extent, yes. That is quite literally what I think he was doing. For some of the reasons that I just read to you in that guy's take. They wanted to preserve. You wanted to fresh Josh Allen for the rest of the season. And if he's running the ball 10, 12 times a game and taking that beating, he's not going to be fresh during this part of the season. You know, Tom Buck said it the other day on the on a show here that Sean McDermott strategically is wanted to now he didn't want to lose six games. He he didn't want to lose to Denver, of course. He didn't want to lose to New England, these ugly ass games to, to inferior opponents. Of course not. The Jets in the opener. So that's not what I'm suggesting. And McDermott was willing to lose these games. But strategically speaking, Sean McDermott's goal has always been to get the Bills playing the best football of the season coming down the stretch, which is what they're doing right now, by the way. That wasn't the case last year. Josh Allen, to, the, to this guy's point, he's right. Josh took a fucking beating last year. You remember the elbow, sore shoulder? He took a beating last year. And a lot of other things happened too to derail the Bills season, of course. Um, massive injuries, weather, uh, DeMar Hamlin almost dying on a football field. So there's lots of reasons to say that by the time they got to Cincinnati, they just didn't have anything left in the tank. But the fact, I don't think he's wrong about Josh Allen. I thought Josh Allen did not play very well in that Miami wildcard game. And he was terrible against the Bengals. In part because I think he was physically shot. Now, maybe there's some other factors as well. You know, there was stuff going on in his personal life. And I don't know, I'm not going to say that that hurt his game, but it certainly, I'm sure it didn't help it. So there's lots of factors. But... Him just being shot and worn out at the end of the season is why I think largely he didn't run the ball much to start this season because now he looks like a fresher quarterback. And shit, man, if he's only going to throw the ball 15 times a game like he just did against Dallas, he's going to be really, really fresh here uh, down the stretch. 
And that's a great point that I never really thought about the Josh Allen, Cam Newton uh, trajectory. You know, Cam Newton did fall off a cliff in Carolina. I mean, this guy went from being uh, the MVP of the league and leading his team to a Super Bowl to, you know, just bad injuries, a lot of injuries, and just basically falling off a cliff. And I forgot that Ken Dorsey got a front row seat for that. So that's a that's a really good point, man. It's a a really good point. You don't want Josh Allen wiped out here down the stretch. And he's not. To me, he looks fresh right now. And, you know, the Bills have won a couple in a row. And if they get to the playoffs, we all agree that they're probably going to have to win out to get to the playoffs. So if they do that, that means they're going to be on a five-game winning streak going into the playoffs. They'll be the hottest team in the NFL. So they will be literally playing their best football at the most opportune and critical time. And it'll be so with the, with Josh Allen being a lot healthier and fresher, I think, than he would have been had he taken you know the physical abuse and, and toll on his body if he was running the football like he is now as much as he did in the earlier part of the regular season. Anyway, I'll take a real quick break. Then I'm going to come back. Got a really good take for somebody about the Bills offensive line. I want to make sure I hit that as well. Be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. All right, I am back here going through some uh, fan comments and questions for our Fan Friday episode. And again, if you're still watching, you're still listening, I I apologize that that first question about personal goals and podcasting goals definitely went longer than I intended it to. But once I started talking, it just it didn't want to stop. And I like I said, I just hope that there's maybe a couple lessons for people to just really look at yourself in the mirror and figure out what you can do to uh, improve yourself, whether it's personally, what's physical, whether it's emotional, uh, we all got room for growth. And and I really, I realized uh, that I did. And I'm trying my best to to get to that level that I want to be at. Anyway, um, Ryan Wags had a really good point. This is about the Bills offensive line. I'm pulling up on the screen here in the video side. I'll read it on the audio for you. He says, 
One of the most impressive parts of the spill season, almost no matter how it goes from here on out, is the growth and consistency of the offensive line. Perhaps the biggest gripe coming out of last year was that they needed to get better on the O-line. So their biggest free agent signing was Connor McGovern. Then they doubled down and drafted Osiris Torrance. Not the sexiest choices, but those two, plus the improvement in Mitch Morse, has made the Bills' interior offensive line among the best in the league. Deion Dawkins and Spencer Brown at tackles have both been very strong, and they're not nearly as sloppy as they were a year ago. And the most important part of all this is that those five have started all 14 games and played damn near every important snap. That's practically unheard of in today's injury-ridden NFL. Josh still has to move, but they don't give up a lot of sacks, and they are a huge part of the success of the running game in the last few weeks. I did hear this on One Bills Live today, but I've been saying it to anybody who will listen for a month. Again, an, another excellent take here uh, by Brian. A couple things about what he said. Um, I don't think it can be understated enough how impressive Spencer Brown has been this season, especially when you consider that him along with Terrell Bernard were the glaring, so the perception anyway, was that Brown and Bernard were glaring weaknesses on this roster, one on the offensive side, one on the defensive side. Spencer Brown did not play well last year. Spencer Brown was not healthy last year. And Brandon Bean stood up at that podium. I remember this very well last March and talked about Brown not being healthy and how he thinks he's got a ton of room for improvement. And I'm not going to lie, I sat there and kind of blew off what Brandon Bean was saying and free agency rolled around and the Bills really did nothing. And then signed a, that right tackle back up from Miami who ended up ultimately retiring anyway. But anyway, didn't do much there. Literally didn't even draft an offensive tackle. So I'm like, well, they just handed Spencer Brown the starting job and I can't believe they're doing that. Well, that was the right move because he's been really good this year. Deion Dawkins, who was in last year, he's been better. He was a Pro Bowl two years ago. He's playing pretty much at that level now. Um, Brian said that Mitch Morris has improved from last year. I don't really know that he's improved. I definitely would say that he's healthier, which, by the way, I think that's Brian's best point there. 14 games the Bills have played, and 14 times they've had the same starting five offensive linemen. That is pretty damn amazing. To not you know, I'm knock on wood here. Um, yeah, find my desk. Knock on wood. Because there's three games left still. But yeah, not one offensive lineman on the Buffalo Bills has missed a start this season. So that continuity's there. Um, Connor McGovern, you said is the biggest free agent signing. Maybe he was contractually. The, the biggest free agent signing was Leonard Floyd. Boy's got 10 and a half sacks. Probably going to be a pro bowler. Uh, the first. Bill's defender to get double-digit Saxons, Lorenzo Alexander back in 2016. But anyway, Conor McGovern's been pretty fine. He's been good. He's been pretty steady. He's not a great run blocker, although he's been improving there of late for sure. But he's a hell of a pass blocker. Hell of a pass blocker. And in terms of Osiris Torrance, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't love the draft pick then. And that's because I really like Tank Dell. And I'm not just saying I like Tank Dell in hindsight because I see what he's doing with Houston as a rookie. I liked Tank Dell during the draft process. Aaron Quinn and I did a bunch of mock drafts, and we talked about Tank Dell a lot. He was a guy that I liked. And I picture him right now on the Bills with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and James Cook and Dalton Kincaid. Man, oh, man, the speed he would have brought to that slot position. One, 
what an addition he would have been. That said, it's okay because Osiris Torrance has been solid. He's a rookie. His ceiling is high. He's going to get better. And he hasn't been, he hasn't been a weakness this year. Like last year, you could say Roger Saffold at times certainly was a, a sore spot on the offensive line. That's the, there is no sore spots on this offensive line this year. This is Brandon Bean's best work since becoming GM when it comes to putting um, an O-line together. But yeah, it's pretty damn amazing to me that uh, this offensive line, they, they've been good, but it's pretty amazing to me when you really think about it, especially with all the injuries that the Bills have had this year. I mean, they've been banged up and decimated in some other positions around the field. But when it comes to the offensive line, they've managed to stay healthy, and that's um, that's pretty damn phenomenal. Uh, a couple more here. Jen Sand says, which Buffalo Bills player, or which, I'm sorry, which Buffalo player, Bills, Sabres, Bandits, would make the top 10 hot Santas? Hashtag married, uh, not blind. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, dude, how, how can you not say Matt Milano? He's a handsome dude, right? Gotta be Matt Milano. Let me be honest with you, I don't really know any Buffalo Bandits players, so I can't say any Bandits players. And I refuse to say anything nice right now about the Buffalo Sabres at all. So ain't no handsome motherfuckers on that team right now. That team stinks right now. And look, again, I'm taping this late Wednesday. Maybe they go and they smack the shit out of Toronto and people are feeling a little bit better about this team. But I can tell you right now, Tuesday night, Tuesday night was, if it wasn't rock bottom for how fans feel about this team right now is damn near close. I mean, you get Jack Quinn back and you're at home against a pretty shitty Columbus team and you get the living shit kicked out of you. It was 7-1 at one point. They lost 9-4 to to Columbus. Just an absolutely deplorable, embarrassing loss that had at least a smattering of fans Channing fire Donnie. And by the way, I'm 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 going on a little bit of a tangent here with the Sabres right now because I don't have any Sabres questions that were submitted. So I'm just going to insert my own goddamn Sabres takes into this podcast. But anyway, yeah, fans chanting to get fired. Kyle Ocposo kind of, you know, regurgitating the same shit in the locker room afterwards. I admire him that he's willing to sit there and take bullets for the team when they're playing like shit. I mean, he doesn't run away. From reporters, he'll sit there. He's the captain. He should, of course. But his answers are getting annoying. Like, I'm starting to sense, like, almost like 2022 fucking Russ Wilson, Denver Broncos answers. I hate it. I hate it. This team, ugh, they're so bad right now. They're so bad. Now, I will say, got a little bit excited uh, earlier Wednesday when I saw the practice lines because Jack Quinn returned, but he didn't play in the line he used to last year. And then I looked at the lines at practice anyway on Wednesday, and they're exactly what I was hoping to see. You have Tage with, with Skinner and Tuck. You have Cousins back with Baturka and Quinn. That was such a fun and effective line last year. Then you had Middlestat back at center with Greenway and Zach Benson. And then you had Ocposo with Robinson and Krebs with uh, Tyson Jones being an extra and Victor Olofsson being an extra as well. That is for this season anyway, as good as this lineup's going to get with the Fords. Defense, I still don't know what the hell they're doing. They are a disaster. You know, everybody 
hates Kyle Cl or Connor Clifton and Eric Johnson and hates them playing together. But hockey people that are really knowledgeable, guys that I like, that I trust, are saying that Darlene and, and uh, Samuelson and Power and Yoki Haro's combinations, they're just as big of a part of the problem. One thing I think we could all agree on is that it's absolutely fucking ridiculous that Ryan Johnson is somehow still this seventh defenseman. So that still needs to play out. How much longer are they going to bullshit around with having three goalies on this roster? Hell, maybe by the time you hear it, that'll be resolved and Comrie will get put on waivers. I don't know. But these four lines, these four four lines, assuming everybody plays, this is as healthy and as good as it's going to get for the rest of the season. Short, of course, of Kevin Adams actually having some balls and going out and trying to make a, a big trade at some point pretty damn soon. because. The Sabres are slipping in the standings, which is one thing. And I know a lot of people are like, well, there's still almost 50 games or whatever's left. Plenty of time to make up these points. Well, the problem is, especially in hockey and especially in the Eastern Conference, all these teams that are ahead of them, it's not the amount of points you got to make up. It's the amount of teams that you need to leap to get there. Not going to be easy. But anyway, this is the Sabres' best 12 forwards. It's their four best lines, I think, that they're going to come up with all season long, short of Kevin Adams making a move. Not promising anyway to answer Jen's question directly. Yeah, man, I'm going with Matt Milano. That dude is a handsome-ass stud, and I'm pissed off at the Sabres, and I don't know any uh, any Buffalo Bandits players, which Bob D says, will the new league format of the NNL hurt, NLL hurt or help the Bandits' chances of a repeat championship? I'll tell you what, Bob, I can't answer that question for you, but I, sometime I think next week I'm going to have PK from the Buffalo Sports Collective on. And him and Phil, Buffalo Sports Collective Podcast is the Bandits Podcast, the Bandits Podcast. So I'm going to make sure that I uh, ask that question when I have him on, and I'll give you at that time at least anyway um, a good answer. Two more here. Bill McDowell, who do you honestly think would have won that celebrity charity boxing match with Dante Whitner? <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh right now because I have been fighting a cold all week. I got a bad cough, and when I Start laughing is going to make me cough and it'll be a really ugly scene, especially on the video side. So I don't want to laugh, but that's a funny question. Real quick uh, refresher course for people who don't know what the hell Bill McDowell's talking about. I got into some beef on Twitter with Dante Whitner. I, I want to say it was either like 2009 or, or 2010. I was blogging at the time. I had a pretty popular blog called Buffalo Sports Daily. And I wrote a couple pretty scathing columns about Dante Whitner, the Sabre, or the Sabres, the Sabres in my mind. The Bills, first round pick, eighth overall, who I thought was playing like a scrub. He was playing like a six-rounder. And I pretty much wrote about that a couple times. Anyway, word certainly got back to him. And he started talking shit to me. I said some shit back to him. Uh, ultimately, he challenged me. And he literally, I mean, this was picked up by pro football talk and a lot of national media outlets, by the way. Uh, Dante Whitner literally challenged me to a boxing match. And then he made it say, we'll do it for charity. So I guess in his mind, beating the ever-living shit out of me would be fine because it would be for charity. And I think he never expected me to accept his challenge, but I did not doing it because I thought I would actually get in the ring and box him, let alone have a chance to, you know, go toe to toe with a finely tuned NFL athletic machine. Hell no. 
but I figured I would have some fun with it. And I certainly did. And this is what a lot of people might not remember because it kind of came to an end abruptly. But I had actually talked to baby Joe Macy at the time. And he was going to, and I'm using air quotes here when I say this, he was going to train me. And we were going to make some funny, like Rocky montage style videos. But instead of me actually looking good, I was going to look absolutely horrible with Joe getting visibly frustrated in the videos. And we were going to put them out there and we were just going to have a lot of fun with it. But anyway, long story short, not long after that scam artist, that fucking first round scrub who never appreciated Buffalo, who talks shit about legends like Daryl Talley, that piece of shit, Dante Whitner, his agent made him put an end to it. His agent said he was not, he couldn't do it, said he couldn't do it. Some legal shit. I don't know, but his agent put an end to it. So the, the charity boxing match got canceled before it ever happened. I'll tell you this, though. It would have happened. If it was up to me, it would have happened no matter what. Whether it would have ended up being something comical, whether he would have knocked me through the ropes, whatever it would have been, it would have happened. In fact, we were getting to a point where we were actually going to start looking at like venues and putting shit together to kind of make it into this charity thing. And like I said, I had Joe Macy. Now, the twist was going to be about a week or so I was going to pull out of the fight and Joe Macy was going to take my spot. That was like Team Pat Moran's game plan. But like I said, it was squashed uh, way before that. Like I said, that was back in like 2009, 2010. So if you're kind of new to this podcast or you haven't known me for that long, now you know, man. I have a a long history with that scrub freaking uh, Dante Whitner. All right, last one here. Mike Mansell says, hot take. Little Deborah zebra cakes and the Christmas tree cakes are the same thing, but with different color frosting and shapes. What? No, they're not. And this is coming from a fat dude who likes to eat and has eaten plenty of them. That's not true, man. That is not true. Um, Maybe they're both the same brand, like the same make, but they don't taste the same. And I can tell you right now, the biggest difference taste-wise between uh, Little Debbie Zebra Cakes and most of those other ones like that and the actual Christmas tree cakes is, I know this is going to sound crazy to you, but the, uh, the, the aftertaste. The aftertaste, there is a huge difference. There is no aftertaste in the Christmas tree cakes. That's why they're so fucking utterly delicious. The Deborah Zebra Cakes, which I, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to say I hate them. You put them in front of me, you you bring a, a package and you put it on my kitchen counter, I'm probably going to eat them all within maybe 36 to 48 hours, but they're not the same. They're not as good. And they kind of got like this shitty sort of uh, aftertaste to them. So hell no, nah, man. Hell no. Nah. Anyway. All right. That's going to do it for this Fan Friday. Um, Look, we will actually be back on Christmas I'm still going to wish you a Merry Christmas now because who knows if you have a chance to, to listen to Monday's show. What I will tell you is that the Bills play on Saturday night, of course. Um, if you haven't listened yet, go back to yesterday's show. Anthony Marino and I did a really good and fun Bills versus Chargers preview with predictions. And we also spent some time having some Christmas fun talking about some Christmas shit. It was a really good time with Anthony. So go make sure you check that out. But anyway, um, the game is Saturday night. Not doing a live post-game show like we have been doing through most of the season. Going to record something on Sunday 
early afternoon Christmas Eve to drop on Christmas. So if you're opening up your gifts on Christmas morning and you got maybe an hour or so to kill before you got to go do family shit or something like that, or you just want to give a Christmas story on TV a little break or the Christmas music going a little bit of a break, you want to check out Talking Buffalo. I actually will have an episode on Christmas Day. Primarily, it'll be a recap of uh, the Bills Chargers and they're playing fucking decent stick. It damn sure better well be a Buffalo Bills uh, victory. But anyway, on that note, that is going to do it. want to thank everybody for watching, for listening. Again, sorry for the long, you know, personal rant at the beginning. I just it felt good, to be honest with you, to get it out. But anyway, enjoy the weekend. And if I don't talk to you before that, have a great and a Merry Christmas. Talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.